Hello and welcome to The Download. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. And uh, you, you can't see me today, but I am uh, right here in, in late February. I'm dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. I've got a fan blowing in the background because uh, everything economically that's been released this month has been red hot. It is a red hot winter here in Canada. And who else better to explain what's going on than our favorite economist, the hardest working economist in Canada, by the way, Eric Lascelles, Chief, Chief Economist at RBC Global Asset Management. Eric, uh, you uh, are, are, are you feeling the heat around your forecasting with some of these numbers that are coming out uh, through the month of February? Yeah, hi, Dave. I, I'm feeling the heat on two fronts. One is the data is hot. The other is the data is hotter than I thought it would be. So that's the heat in terms of me trying to make sure I'm on top of things and, and, and adjusting appropriately and understanding just what's going on. So yeah, it's, it's been quite a quite a spell. And the January data coming out mostly in February has been really strong, I would say for the US most obviously, but Canada's ticking along as well. And we've talked before about how job numbers remain remarkably resilient, but uh, you know, the January numbers in particular introduced uh, the notion that spending is still moving quite uh, robustly forward as well. And so US retail sales rose by 3% in January. Wow. And you know, it did seem that everything was fitting together. We'd seen these nice, I shouldn't say nice, it's never nice. We, we, we're looking for a recession here and we think some cooling off needs to happen. And so I suppose only nice in that very narrow context but nevertheless we'd seen a couple of months of declining retail sales in November and December and we just unwound it all with a big jump in January you can definitely split hairs and say that January was a funny month and it was uh, by the way introducing a third uh, concept of hot uh, it was hot from a temperature perspective and so yes. uh, that often encourages more spending so there might have been some artificial strength from that uh, it's fair to say that in a lot of countries including the US and Canada uh, pensions uh, got inflation adjusted in a big way uh, for January and so a lot of retired seniors saw huge increases in their uh, nominal earnings and so presumably some of that was was put to work and so there are a number of you could say special factors that maybe aren't going to fully repeat in subsequent months but nevertheless you know we're, we're still seeing economies that for the most part uh, are growing and I have to say uh, that you know we've been tweaking our growth forecasts in response to that we, we still think a recession is likely and I'm hoping we can get into why and all the sorts of central yep. bank responses and otherwise that might be necessary uh, but I can say at the end of the day we, we've pushed the recession timing back a little bit so we had been thinking you know sort of middle uh, second quarter third quarter of 2023 and we've now pushed that back to the second half we're just not seeing the the capitulation you would need to get there uh, quite soon enough but i would say at the end of the day we, we're actually if anything a little bit more convinced that a recession needs to happen in fact in part based on the economic strength we're seeing recently yeah well my, as you say about the uh, the pension increase my mom is uh my my mom is uh, is rolling around uh feeling rich she's taken the, the the grandchildren are the main beneficiaries and of course they do go out and spend so uh so so I, you, you you can see that you can see that connection but i, I why don't we go to the to, to the main reason that um the the, the 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 impetus of why we we we, we have you had you come on today which was this morning so we're friday february 24th uh taping this and uh the pce report was out this morning and once again a number that was hot and uh, w this is a this is a measure of of inflation and it's the fed's preferred measure of inflation so before we go into the number itself what's the difference between the pce 
and the CPI, and the CPI tends to get bigger headlines in the in in sort of the general news. PCE gets a little bit more of the headlines in the financial news, but the Fed prefers one over the other. What are the subtle nuances and why? Right. The big difference, Dave, is that the letters are different. PCI, oh. uh, PCE, CPI, that's – no, I'm just joking. That, that is just, Man, was technically the difference. But no, there are differences beneath the surface. So you're right. I mean the CPI gets a lot of attention just in the broad public, and that is because it, it is kind of the older, the classic measure. There's one for just about every country in the world. You can compare across them. It's all very neat and tidy in that regard. I think it is worth watching. I, I spent a lot of time watching it, if I'm being honest. Uh, but equally, that PCE deflator, which is you know the Fed's favorite measure, they say, uh, it, it does exist for a few other countries, but it's, it's primarily a kind of a U.S. notion. And the big difference is just that it's kind of a more flexible measure. It actually reflects the actual spending of consumers. And so most of the time, you know, th there aren't huge deviations between the two. But some of the time when you've got uh, the, the, the cost of, of gas going up and people driving less and things like that, the CPI is kind of stuck with a fixed basket that doesn't change all that often. And so it still pretends that everybody is driving just as much as before, even though maybe they're driving a bit less. It still pretends everybody's still buying steak, even though food prices have gone up and we're all buying ground beef and things like that. And so the, the P CPI doesn't, isn't as flexible to that. So maybe a bit less precise in terms of reflecting changing conditions. And the PC deflator does do a pretty good job of picking that up. And so I would say that's probably the, the, the biggest difference. You, you can get into the weeds and say that uh, the PC deflator includes both urban and rural spending patterns, and the CPI actually is officially urban for whatever reason, and uh, the PCE includes you know, indirect spending. So for instance, if you have health insurance in the U.S. and you're paying part of your health care costs, but somebody else is paying the other part of your health care costs, uh, the, the PCE deflator picks up the part that other people are spending on your behalf, the insurance company. And so the health care portion of the PCE deflator is, is uh, is, is bigger as a result. Uh, and so differences like that. But I guess at the end of the day, the PC deflator tends to run a little bit cooler uh, than the CPI, uh, and uh, just just for various reasons. And so, uh, as an example, you can say that in the U.S., inflation has averaged a little over two percent if you're talking CPI, but it's actually been pretty good, sort of bang on two over the long run uh, if you're talking about the Fed's preferred uh, measure. Anyhow, more more detailed than you wanted. As it stands right now, as you say, we just got the January PC deflator yeah. out. No, actually, Eric, uh, if, I, if if I if I jump in, I think it, I think it's a really important distinction because one, as you say, is more flexible, so kind of reflects what's actually going on on the ground and, and does it in a more broader sense, which again, for, for you know, really serious economists, like the economists uh, and, and the, 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 the people at the Bank of Canada and the, and the Federal Reserve, well, we would hope that they're getting the best data possible to be making these critical decisions on interest rates. And of course, people like you as well, who are who are making, uh, who are who are providing insights into how 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 people should invest money? Uh, it's important that you have a measure that uh, that that's a little more stable and again a little bit more flexible to a more a more modern measure of of what's actually happening with with prices in the economy. Right, right, and so and so so true to form, uh, you know, the CPI for January came out and it was 6.4 percent. That's you know trending downward. The PCD, PCE deflator came out today, as we record this at least, and it was 5.4. It's a full percentage point lower, so that that story is holding, but it didn't fall. So it, it was a little stronger than expected. It actually rose from 5.3 percent the prior month, and and so all, all of the various metrics, including the core side, were a little hotter than expected. And so uh, we 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 knew there was sort of a sniff of this coming. 
interesting because the, the CPI had also you know, declined, I guess, in its case, less than expected and was above consensus. And so maybe at the end of the day, it's not a huge surprise that this number also isn't signaling that inflation problems are are, are, are firmly over. Uh, but, but nevertheless, it, it was a, you know, a little rougher, a little more worrying than the CPI. And and so that's you know got tongues wagging about what central banks need to do, which might be to tighten a little more than otherwise. And so, uh, I mean, the Fed had told us a while ago that there are likely a couple of rate hikes coming, and that got you to maybe a five and a quarter kind of peak. But now markets, and I must say myself, we were thinking that there may have to be a bit more work than that uh, to, to cool this economy off, to get this inflation under control. And so the market has almost a 5.5% peak policy rate penciled in right now. So it's had to add a, a little bit more. And of course, the stock market, as much as it generally likes good economic news, it doesn't like it when it's just an overheating economy that needs to cool. And it most certainly doesn't like it when inflation is too high and central banks have to do more work. And so the stock market hasn't been entirely pleased with the recent economic strength. And it's it sort of raised debates about you know, the debate before was uh, soft landing versus recession. And so do you, you know, weaken but avoid a recession versus tumbling fully into a recession this year? And now there's a camp saying maybe there's a no landing scenario in which the economy just keeps trucking along. I, I'm personally skeptical. I mean, I guess it's sort of happening in the very short term, but I'm, I'm skeptical that can be a story that would persist over the span of a full year because it's seems you know, pretty pretty you know, profoundly obvious to me that we have economies, particularly on the labor market side, that are just overheating to an ever greater extent, and to the extent central banks don't like that, and indeed the parts of inflation that are still refusing to cooperate are, I would say, you know, notwithstanding an increase in gas in January, uh, mostly service side, uh, and so in most of those service sector uh, portions of the economy, uh, or inflation portions of them at least, are, are very much linked to the, the strength of the economy. The best predictor of what service inflation is going to do is how hot the economy is to a greater extent than other items of CPI or, or of the PC deflator. And so, you know, central banks are making clear the economy just needs to be cooler to get inflation down in these areas. And so that's their mission. They, they I think, will eventually succeed in cooling the economy. And so I, I find myself skeptical of the uh, of, of the, the no landing scenario. But nevertheless, in the very short term, we've had some some real strength here and central banks are, are scrambling again. Dave, let me say that, you know, I can still return to our original inflation framework, which is we do think it can fall this year. Indeed, it is profoundly down from where it was in the summer and fall of last year already. We do still see the big four things all turning, right? The commodity shock has faded and the supply chain problems are easing and central banks have reversed with aggression and fiscal policies, at least not what it was, if not truly restrictive. And so that, that should allow inflation to come down. We're just not getting the cooperation of the economy as kind of the fifth extra factor at this point in time. I'm still very happy to forecast inflation comes down. I even think it could come down a little faster than the market thinks, but January didn't fully cooperate, and it, it's clear that uh, we, we do need some more forces to, to cool the economy. I will say, sorry, this is me now going on too long. This is meant to be a conversation, but I, I will say um, on the recession call side, it was never a certainty. It's still not a certainty. We, we've pushed back the timing. I think that's appropriate given what we're seeing, uh, but keep in mind, you know, we're getting potentially even more monetary tightening now. And so that's an additional argument for weakness. Uh, we are seeing 
negative effects from prior rate hikes. I mean, the housing market has has weakened quite a bit, and uh, and, and other rate sensitive sectors are are softer. One thing we're really tracking right now, and it relate, relates entirely to, to the credit market, uh, is loan officer surveys, both in the U.S. and in Europe. Uh, the willingness and the standards are, are are tightening a lot with regard to commercial and industrial loans, and to to a point that you you, you never see without getting a recession. And so I would say we're still seeing the various effects of higher rates working their way through. Uh, I, I still think it's likely we do get to a recession. Uh, unfortunately, we've got a little more work to be done uh, be before we can, I guess, right-size the economy and, and get inflation back on track. Yeah, and, and uh, we, we, we keep it real on the, on the download, uh, Eric. So this is kind of what our conversations do sound like. So it really is a conversation. It's, uh, I, I, I just kind of, I just kind of, wind you up and very quickly and then and then you 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 go but 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 eric the the you know there 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 are some underlying signs like you said the the uh the loan officers and 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 i know here in canada you know our standards are always pretty tight but you 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 they they, there's the, the the government has done a lot of things over the last few years regulatory wise to to tighten that up a little bit more and then you look at things, you know, down in the U.S., for example. So a lot of cash put into the system that people went out and spent. That may be running out because now we're seeing the, the highest levels of credit card balances in the U.S. That, that that we've ever seen. And so so this is a sign where, you know, people are still out spending and, and you know, they, they, they kind of have to because, you, you know, you got to put food on the table. you got to do some things. and but But some of that excess... Uh, liquidity in the system, so to speak, is is getting tapped out. And, I, I think so. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at some of the, and I'm no corporate analyst, but some of the recent, uh, you know, reports from from major retailers show pretty muted expectations for the year ahead. So that's their best guess. And spending patterns seem to be continuing to evolve in a way in which it's the kind of the, the cheaper stores that are holding on and the more expensive ones are already suffering. So people are, I guess, downgrading uh, where they're spending and maybe the quality of, of goods that they're purchasing. So we're seeing little bits there, as you say, on the credit card side, you know, credit card borrowing. And the U.S. is up, I think, 15% over the last year, which is pretty fast growth rate. So that's people, for the moment, continuing their spending patterns, but in a way that isn't being fully supported by their incomes. And so that sounds unsustainable to an extent. And similarly, personal savings rates have come down. They were I mean, so high initially in the pandemic, and, and some of that money, as you say, is, is being just spent through, and that's that's entirely allowed. Uh, but nevertheless, savings rates are now you know, pretty close to as low as we've seen it over the last 50 to 70 years, and that's not indefinitely sustainable. And even though we can still say, listen, there might still be a you know trillion plus dollars sloshing around more than usual it's not equally distributed uh, it's it's yes. disproportionately among wealthier households who who may not spend at all they tend to save uh, just enduringly a greater fraction of their wealth and so there there are absolutely people bumping into restrictions i can't say i see it yet all that much in terms of credit card delinquencies or auto loan delinquencies yep. or mortgage delinquencies those are looking okay though a couple of those are at least bottoming out after a happy decline uh, but you know it, it, again it, the theory is pretty sound here which is when you raise rates by four five five and a half yep. percentage points uh, that's a big hit to the economy that should induce a recession and our business cycle work says it's it's still likely and our various heuristics and inverted yield curves and things still say uh, it's likely it's clearly not happening quite yet early in 2023 and that's fine often these things do have long and I guess variable lags as well um, but I, 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 again the no landing thesis to me is a stretch I, I don't see how that happens especially as we now have central banks potentially set to do even more tightening than previously envisioned. 
Well, and and I and I just like to uh, I just like to tap everyone on the shoulder who's listening and remind them of you know something that you've taught all of us um, on on your previous appearances is when you're talking about a data set um, going up and coming down, it's never a straight line up and it's never a straight line down. You're going to have pauses, fits and starts along the way, and there's usually some kind of data that you look back on in hindsight, or you can even see in 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 in, in real time that says, hey, yeah, the, the, the number the number's a little hotter than we thought, but there's an explanation for it, and, and, and it leaves our, our overall thesis in, in place that, as you say, if, if, if the central banks, the Federal Reserve in particular, wants to slow down the economy, um, and, and they're committed to it by raising rates, then that is going to continue to happen, and they're going to get the slowdown that they want. So ultimately, this plays out even if it goes a little bit higher in terms of where rates top out and a little bit longer in terms of how long those rates have to stay there before they start coming down. And then, of course, the market looks at that, makes their interpretation and does what it's doing. And as we talked with Stu yesterday, it seems to be saying, hey, we're, we're going to take a pause and wait to see where this goes uh, be before we go any higher here. Yeah, and I don't think I'm out of step in saying as a, as a firm, we, we are still cautious relative to where we were a year and a half ago, taking fewer risks in markets than, than before. And, you know, if anything, we, we viewed in particular you know, over the last few weeks as markets have begun, I think, to awaken to, to a thesis we've talked about for a while, which is, hey, there was a lot of really good news that came down the pipe between October and recently. And I guess you could maybe say some of it continues in this purely economic data context. But, you know, it's it's still a tricky world out there and inflation is not fully solved and central banks aren't done and the economic outlook still does include a recession and so you know we're, we're happy to, to be even a little more cautious as it pertains to risk assets in the in the near term you know the long-term valuations are good for just about anything you look at compared to where we've been in the last 15 years which is lovely and it's not a bad way to invest on that basis either but if you want to get cute uh, you, you can say well there, there are still some you know some, some, some risks to risk assets uh, in in the near term so so Eric let me just get I just wanted to ask you one more thing be before I let you go today uh, be, be, because again, it, as, as Canadians, we kind of recognize that what's going on uh, uh, over the border in the U.S. is 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 more important, or, or it has a massive influence on what's going to happen here. So we're 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 sometimes a victim or beneficiary of what's what's happening there. Uh, but the Bank of Canada, as we've talked about before, is is trying to take a more cautious course in in terms of raising uh, the, the the bank rate. Uh, it, it seemed like on the on the last increase that they were signaling a pause is is you know is the fact that the the, the U.S. is likely going a little bit higher than we we would have thought two months ago that the Bank of Canada is going to have to break and follow or, or will they be able to hold. Yeah, that, that, that really is the debate. So the Bank of Canada has been, I wouldn't say firm, but it's been clear at least in the sense that its default assumption is that is that the work is done and 4.5% and is is the peak rate. And I, I, I'm sympathetic, very sympathetic to the idea that you know, with a greater level of interest rate sensitivity in Canada and a you know, more extended housing market and so on, that you know the peak policy rate doesn't need to match the US whatsoever. And indeed, even if we weren't more leveraged, just the fact that Canada has you know, floating and variable rate mortgages and five-year terms and these sorts of things means that the effect of rising rates hits uh, sooner and more profoundly, and it's you know harder to renegotiate a mortgage here. And so in a number of ways, uh, the rate hikes that have happened are already there. So I think it's quite plausible the Bank of Canada is done. I will tell you just that the market, I'm looking here at the implied probabilities in the market right now, uh, the market has priced in almost another rate hike, but not until September, or I should say incrementally. So the markets are hedging yeah, yes. its bets here, thinking, well, you know, it's not
not likely there's a hike next time, not all that likely the time after, but maybe somewhere out there over the next six or seven months, there could be one 25 basis point rate. Hike. I think that's about where we are. No one's really debating that there's another percentage point that's needed. Uh, if they're going to move in the next six months, it's up, not down in all likelihood. Uh, but but if they moved, it wouldn't be by a whole a whole lot. And I think that's probably the way to leave it. I, it doesn't seem as though they're signaling much for the, the March 8th meeting as an example. Yeah, and I, and I just say that, we, you know, the, the bulk of our listeners are in Canada. Many of them are involved in the real estate market or they're business owners. So we, uh, we should come back in and check in on where the Canadian policy is somewhat diverging. Uh, and, and we've talked about this a lot. If you go back and listen to, to, to previous episodes uh, of, of Eric's appearances uh, on the podcast uh, to, to draw the distinction and why that, that might happen. So, Eric, uh, as, as always, thanks, uh, thanks again. Uh, very, uh, it's, it's, you, you, you're always, uh, you're always open to getting on when something, uh, interesting has happened or a particularly interesting number pops out and is announced on a, on a given day. So, uh, so thanks again. And we'll, uh, we'll check in with you in a couple of weeks on the next, uh, labor reports. Fabulous. Thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Dave. This recording has been provided by RBC Global Asset Management, Inc., for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be investment or financial advice. You should consult your own legal, accounting, tax, investment, or financial planning advisors before engaging in any transactions.